Father, we exalt you. We love you. We adore you. We magnify your name. You are great. You said, I am God and there is none like me. I know the end from the beginning. And my purposes cannot be thwarted. You are the ancient of days, the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You are the father of the son, Jesus Christ, the father of Peter and Paul, and the father of every son and daughter in this room. You have seen them since the beginning of time, and your heart has been preparing to release to us, as Daniel said, great secrets of the kingdom. We are hungry for you. And yet our hunger is nothing compared to your hunger for us to come close to you, to be drawn up into the fullness of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and to receive your word and receive your covenant. So, Father, Jesus said whatever we asked in his name you would do. So, Father, I ask that tonight what is released and what is received is a perfect match to your heart's desires and your son's prayers for every son and daughter in this room. That Jesus tonight is a match for what about the fullness of salvation you want us to receive. And Holy Spirit, that it's a match for the way you've been praying for us tonight and what's upon your heart to reveal to us and to implant within us. Please. We call forth all of heaven's resources so that your heart's desires can be met tonight, Father. Empower us in the spirit. And we welcome your presence. And we promise we'll give you the praise and the glory for every good thing. And it's in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. From the beginning of time, the father has always had a dream. He had a dream of children, and he had a dream of giving his son a bride. The father has made his vows that he will be God. He will change not. The son has made his vows that here is the power of the resurrection, and he will never leave you, and he will never forsake you. And the spirit has made his vows that he will come within us, be the comforter, be the teacher, be the revealer, be the power that we need. And so tonight, we're going to talk about the vows of the Holy Spirit. We don't often think about the Holy Spirit, but he is a person. And just as Jesus has made vows to say, I will be your bridegroom forever. And just as once we receive the revelation that we as the church are the bride in our heart, we want to make vows to Jesus to say, we will love you forever and we want to receive you forever. And the Holy Spirit comes and he makes vows. Because you see, God cannot break his word. God said you should not be unequally yoked. And so for us to be the bride to Jesus, just by who we are, we would be unequally yoked to him. 
And so the Holy Spirit comes to lift us up and lift us up and to offer himself to us that we may grow in the mind of Christ, the heart of Christ, the words of Christ, the power of Christ. Now, I am not saying we are equals with Christ, but he is. And to me, the humility of God leaves me in awe and wonder that the Most High God would call himself Father and go, oh, you're my daughter, you're my son. What humility. And for Jesus to look and say, oh, no, you're equally yoked with me. Come stand by me as my bride. What humility of God. And just in Genesis 1, when darkness and void was upon the earth, it was chaotic, and the Holy Spirit moved and bit by bit brought beauty and order to the earth, the Holy Spirit comes to the darkness and the chaos of who we are to move bit by bit to bring beauty to us. Now tonight, we're going to look at seven different words for the power of the Holy Spirit. This is not an exercise in your mind, so pretty please do not try to remember Greek words. But get the heart of it. Get the heart that the Holy Spirit, the person of the Spirit, is so devoted to you and so devoted to Jesus that he is releasing power in ways we have not perceived. And the Holy Spirit is releasing power to us in ways that create something in us that we are not apart from him. So listen with your heart tonight and hear the vows of the Holy Spirit that here, I give you this power. I, I give you this power. Listen to his heart tonight. The first one is ARCH, A-R-C-H. So if you want to read, there you go. Thank you so kindly. The ark power of God. Now, if you've heard of the word ark, you probably reflect it with electricity. Two things come together. Creates an ark. It looks like a bolt of lightning. The ark power creates something out of nothing. It is in John 1 when it says that the word was with God and the word was God. And then the word was created into Jesus, and Jesus was created into the flesh, that out of nothing, there was no flesh in Jesus, the Holy Spirit created him to be flesh as an infant. The word is used when the angel comes to Mary and says, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and out of nothing, Mary, out of a virgin womb, out of nothing, I will create something in you. And in 2 Corinthians 5, when it talks about us being a new creation, it is the picture that we are nothing. 
We have nothing to bring him, nothing that he can work with. And yet when we believe in Christ, the Holy Spirit releases a power in us to make us a new creation, a new species, that we are to be a people that were never a people before. And the intent of God was that we would be so different from the people of this world, we would look like a new species. It was not that we would just be saved. It was that the power would create in us something that had never been in us before, a mind, a personality, emotions, values that were never in us before. It's actually the same word that Paul uses when he speaks in 1 Thessalonians 4.16, and he said, someday that trump's going to sound and the dead will rise, that the dead with nothing arise, full of life. He creates something out of nothing. I remember as a, as a young girl watching Catherine Kuhlman videos and if she was a healing evangelist back in the 60s and the 70s, one of the first females on TV with it. And she would always say, with tears streaming down her face, I came to God and said, if you can use nothing, then use me. That she knew she had nothing to bring, no gifts, no talents. She said, if you can use nothing, use me. We understand arc power. It is the power to lift us, to be a new creation, to not think the way we have thought all our lives, not to even have the personality we have had. It is to give us a personality that carries only the fingerprints of the Father's love with everything whole within us. The second power. The second power is exousia, E-X-O-U-S-I-A. It is the divine ability to know, to decide, accomplish an action without hindrance. It's the authority of God, the right to influence and the right to enforce. Let me give you a practical example. That's the word used. When the Holy Spirit tells the story in Mark 2 that Jesus says to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven and take up your bed and walk. that it is the authority of God. You know what the will of God is? It is the power to know, a power to decide, I want to do that, the power of the ability to do it and to not be stopped. Have you ever wondered, like, what's your will, God? Do you want me to do this? Do you want me to do that? There's a power for that. It's a power. The Holy Spirit said, I have power. I can let you know what is his will, give you the clarity, give you the ability to do it. It is the word that is used in John chapter 1, verse 12, when it is written that Jesus came to give us the right, the power to be children of God. 
And when you have difficulty believing you're a son or daughter or walking in that kind of inheritance, there's a power to get rid of that doubt. There's a power for that. You don't have to struggle in your own mind and heart. There's a power the Holy Spirit wants to release for that. The next one is iscus. Again, do not try to remember the Greek. It's a valiant, almighty, divine power to penetrate the opposition. It's a divine strength to overpower supernatural forces. In Luke 21, Jesus is telling the disciples, there's going to be end times. The culture will be dark. Everything around you will be dark. But you will have a power to escape its influence. Do you know, even when things are going on in our culture, there's a power in you not to be influenced. It's a power to rise above. Now, this may seem amazing, but in Mark 12, when Jesus is saying these are the two greatest commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. He says, you're going to need this power to do that. It's not just you try, you love. He was saying the Holy Spirit's going to give you the power to push off and get off of around you and rise up within you and push out of you everything that makes it hard for you to overcome and love him with your mind and your heart and your soul and your strength and to Help you love others because we have things in us and about us. And we need a divine power to penetrate the opposition. And it may be darkness and culture. It just may be in our own personality and our wounds and our walls. He says, I've got a power for that. I can push that off of you. When Paul writes to the church of Ephesians, he uses this word when he says, the greatness of his power is toward us. But if you want more proof of the humility of God, the same word of power that is used, that it's given to us, is one of the words for power in Revelation 5 when the angels and the elders are saying, worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb to receive power. He uses the same word for power for the lamb as he does for what's available to us. The Holy Spirit wants to lift us up. The next one. Ditto my. It's divine power to love as he loves. To give the love of God himself. It is the realistic character of love. It is the power to be a martyr. Now follow for a moment the ark power. It gives us the power not to be ourselves and to be a new creation. Exousia. It gives us the power to know the will of God, to do it. And Iscus gives us the power to overcome the forces outside of us 
even the forces inside of us that hinder us and hinder us from loving. Didomai takes it to a higher realm. Didomai is a power that puts in you the very character of Jesus that you will love as he loves. It's not talking about doing loving acts and loving deeds. It's talking about a power that can get in us and give us the character of Jesus. This is the word for power in 2 Timothy 1.7 when it says, God did not give you a spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind. And in the Greek, it's the image that when we receive, we don't earn it. We just receive the power. Fear falls off. We love. We love like Jesus loves. And we walk in power like he did, humility, but authority. And we have a sound mind. We clearly see what's truth and what's not. And we walk in the character of Jesus, the amazing character of Jesus. The same word which undoes me is used in Luke twenty-two nineteen, when Jesus is talking about, I have the power to offer up my body for you. And when you break this bread, it is my body for you. And the same character that was in Jesus when he offered himself up by the power of the Holy Spirit can flow through us. What, what an invitation. You know, I don't, I don't know about you. But in most of my years in church, when the word power is used, it's kind of general, or else it seems to be used for signs, wonders, and miracles only. And all of that is valid, and we need it all. Do not misunderstand me. But if we really want to know the person of the Holy Spirit who's come to prepare our character and to prepare us to be the bride of Christ, then all these words for power comfort me. They strengthen me. That he can let that ark power create me to be a woman I've never been before. He can create in me the power to know the will of God in a way I've never known it before and to have the power to be it and to do it. And he can create in me a power to overcome powers of darkness on the behalf of others and overcome any darkness in me. And it gives me strength to know there's a power that can flow through me, that can lift me way beyond myself to love in a realm that maybe my personality just can't get. Because it's so above my head. The next one. Do you hear the love of the Holy Spirit saying, Here I am for you? I'm a person. You're, you're only inviting me in this much. 
look at all this power I want to pour through you. Please. Instead of giving you the Greek word on this one, I'm just going to give you the first part of the Greek word, mega, which means big, 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 big. It's the magnificence and the majesty of God. It's the transcending power to lift huge loads. And here's one of the huge loads it lifts. It pulls us out of the earth realm and seats us in heavenly places. It is the splendor of God on display. Let me give you an example. In Mark 9, Jesus is standing there, human body. But then this word pops up, and he is transfigured, and he's full of glory. And the load of that human flesh has been lifted, and now we see the truth of who he is, and the glory so exudes from him can't hardly look at him. And it is the exact same word that we use for transfiguration that is used in 2 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17 when it says, now where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And that veil is going to be pulled back. And you're going to be transformed, transfigured from glory to glory. It's the same word for power that... God can get in through the Holy Spirit, and he has a power to pull me out of my flesh so that I think, I see, I love as if I'm seated in heavenly places. And it is the word used in Ephesians 2 when Paul's talking about how we've been saved from sin, and by mercy and kindness we are seated in heavenly places. It is a power where the Holy Spirit reaches down and just pulls us up, just pulls us up, catapults us so that we don't see life the way we usually do. We don't see in the natural. We don't think in the natural. We aren't bound by human emotions, but we are now being transfigured and we're in heavenly places in this life. And we're seeing with the eyes of Christ. And we're seeing not just who we are, but we are seeing one another. And that's when you begin to see each other through the eyes of God, and you go, oh, my goodness, it's an honor to stand with this person. I see you in the spirit. Oh, I see you. And you, you find yourself in awe of all the people around you. And it's not a, a low self-esteem thing to think, oh my goodness, I can't believe I'm fellowshipping with these people. But you, it's a revelation and a wonder because now you're looking and going, I see who you are in the spirit. It's like, oh, I see you, Mike and Julie. I see you, Joy. I see you, Lena. What an honor to know you. What an honor to rub shoulders with you. The world may not see you, but this mega power lifts us up, and all of a sudden we see as the Father sees. Energia. It's a heavenly life force that's working effectively 
It's the power to divide the spirit, the flesh, and darkness inside of us. It energizes for divine health and healing. It is the quickening power of God for freedom. It is energia in Hebrews 4 when it says, now the word of God is alive. It's a two-edged sword. It's dividing your soul and spirit. It's the picture that there's this power in the Holy Spirit. And when I read the word, he's just waiting for me to be receptive because he wants to shoot that word into me, if you will, like a lightning bolt dividing my soul and my spirit where I go, oh, I see now. I see. It's a life force. Philippians 2, 13, Paul says, it is this power that works in us so that we can do God's good will. Colossians 1.29, Paul says, For this I have toiled, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Paul is saying all these beatings, all these stonings, all the travelings, all the trials of ministry, all of this, all of this, couldn't have done it without the energy of God. He continually would life me, life me, so that I did not fail, I did not grow weary. It is energy if you're believing for divine health. And when you pray for someone and you're praying for their healing, it is the energy of God flowing through you. It's not that we got all that faith and we're this and we are that. It is the mercy of the Holy Spirit and the energy of power of God going through you because the Holy Spirit's so eager. He's so eager to bring us up to what Christ created us for. Kratos. It is the superior power of God to bring the final victory. It's the superior power to have eternal dominion over all. It is the spirit shares it through us so that we have ultimate victory in the earth. Paul uses it this way in Colossians 1.11. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who's qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. And then the Holy Spirit, again, miracle of miracle, uses the word this way in Jude. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, power, and authority before all time, now, and forever. I find it humbling that the same words for power that are used for Jesus Christ, the Messiah, are used for us. Same power. 
And while there are far more power words used in scripture than these seven, listen again. The power out of nothing to create and to give you a personality and a mind that is like you've never had your entire life. It is a power to know the will of God and a power that will help you do it and be it. And it doesn't matter if it's as tiny a situation as you don't know what to get your husband for his birthday and you're wanting, Jesus, I really want to touch my husband's heart. There's a power to help you know that. To know the will of God. Jesus, I don't know what to do with my children. There's a power to help you know the will of God. A power to help you walk it out. A power to help you be it. And there's a power to overcome supernatural forces against us and even inside of us that hinder us from walking and loving with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And there's a power to implant within us the character of Christ. That supernaturally, at times, we have his mind, we have his love, and it's not an act, it's become our character. And we can learn to live in that power more and more. There's the power that can lift any heavy burden. When you're feeling oppressed or stressed, there's a power for that. And there's a power to lift the burden of me and the burden of you and shake us free of this earthly realm and put us in heavenly places so we can see as he sees. And there is a Kratos power. That whether if it's a personality issue, a kingdom issue, whatever it is, there is a power to give you the superior final victory. Now, if you will allow me just a couple of more moments, I think there's one other phrase I want to use, and it's called soul lag. If you've ever traveled overseas, you know what jet lag is. Or if you've traveled from the East Coast to the West Coast, when you travel into different time zones, sometimes you feel a little out of sync. And it takes you a couple days, it takes some people a couple days to catch up. Do you know what I mean? It's like your body went somewhere, but your body clock is still back here and you haven't connected the two. Sometimes in the kingdom, dear ones, we have soul lag. And that's important for us to understand. And the picture is our spirit has grabbed an understanding and a revelation and our spirit's ready to soar with it, moving at the speed of light. Oh, I heard this. I got this. I know God can do this. But our soul lags behind. Have you ever wanted to really forgive someone, but your soul seems to fight it? And you don't want to. Soul lag. You ever wanted to really be happy for someone and celebrate, but your soul got a little hurt? You're not sinning. It's soul lag. Or you know that 
in your spirit. God's created you for something, and he's given you a dream, and he's given you a vision, but you feel like, I can't seem to step into it. Every time I get close, I get distracted. I get derailed. That's not sin, darling. That's soul lag. And what that means is we're just still human. And that's not an excuse. It's a truth. It takes time for the truth of the spirit to work into our soul so that they match. And we're living up to what we know or we're living up to the dream he's given us. It just takes time. So on one hand, you have the benevolent Holy Spirit saying, I have a power for everything you need. And all the different kinds of powers that I have are all to lift you into the image of Christ, the character of Christ, the fullness of Christ, the blessings of Christ, and to prepare you to be his bride. And the grace of the Son says, oh, but I understand your soul lag. I'm a high priest who's very familiar with your humanity. And grace, grace, grace to you. It's like Paul in Romans 7 and 8 when he says, you know, the things I want to do, I don't do. And what I don't want to do, I do. And he ends up, grace, grace, grace. So tonight, this is the seed of the word he has for you. Don't try to remember all the Greek words. And, but remember this. There's not a moment, not a thought, not an emotion, not a situation that is without the offering of power. He is a person inside of you who is always on his knees saying, may I serve you? May I give you a power to carry that? May, may I help you know what to say? May, may I serve you? Because in serving us, he is preparing the bride for the son of the living God.